welcome everyone. This is Russ Calzo, Chronicles of the End Times. Thank you for being with us today as we continue our look at the rise of the counterfeit church. And we're going to take this to the next level as we finish up today on this series. But we're going to move from there into Revelation 18 and 19 and take a look at how the things that are going on today are going to lead into the final battle. Very exciting bunch of scriptures we're going to be looking at all through the Old Testament into the New Testament. So I hope you join us for that. Sometimes studies like this are a little overwhelming, but I think it's good to have a balance. We know that God loves us and he's on the move and he wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. But we also live in the reality of what the prophecies tell us and the reality of what we're seeing all around us today. We never lose hope because God is always saving. He's always moving, and he wants to use you today. So I pray that you will really seek the Lord and say, God, I want you to really use me. And God will make a way for us, and he will use us for who we are. You can't be somebody else. God made you special just as you are. And your personality and whatever you've gone through, God's going to use it. And you might be the only voice that someone will listen to. So let's get started. You know, as a religious system, Babylon came into being long before Christianity, but in a kind of satanic imitation. It anticipated the coming of the Antichrist. According to biblical history and ancient rabbinical writings, the Babylonian religion was founded by the wife of Nimrod, who was the great-grandson of Noah. And her name was Semiramis. She was a high priestess of idol worship, and she gave birth to a son who she claimed was conceived miraculously. Sound familiar? The son named Tammuz was considered a savior. Ezekiel mentions Tammuz in chapter 8, and we'll pick it up in verse 12, just a couple of verses here. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his own idol? They say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Again, he said, You will see them doing things that are even more detestable. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. And I saw women sitting there, mourning for Tammuz. He said to me, Do you see this, son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. So all these things have deep roots. I guess that's what I want to make sure we understand. This isn't anything new. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, right? And he was right. These deep seeds planted by the enemy to worship demons go all the way back to Babylon. There are many ancient artifacts that show the motif of the mother, Semiramis, holding the savior infant, Tammuz, which predate Christianity. It was said that Tammuz was killed by a wild beast, then miraculously brought back to life. So all these things go back. And you can look them up in the Old Testament, the word Tammuz shows up several times as Israel began to worship demons. So these just weren't like idols that somebody made up and made names for. That's what we need to understand. Their deep roots go all the way back to Babylon, and they're demonic in nature. Let's look again to Revelation chapter 17. It's interesting right from the beginning. The angel says to him, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute, who sits on many waters. So right from the beginning, we know that judgment's going to come upon this false religion. And how is this counterfeit religion, this counterfeit church, going to come to its end? Let's read about it a little bit in 
the end of uh, chapter 17 of Revelation. Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand, but God uses all things, the good and the bad and the ugly. And sometimes as Christians, we like to clean everything up. Uh, things get messy, but God wades through it all and uses it all. Just look at our own lives. I mean, we've all messed up our lives to some degree, and God's there to redeem and to save and to heal and to put us back on the right track. He's used to dealing with brokenness. Really, that's all he's got to work with when it comes to the human race. This woman sits upon this beast, which is the political power of the Antichrist, and she rides on it. She is covered with blasphemous names, and the blasphemous names are the many, many names of demon gods that the world is worshiping at this time and has worshiped down through history. And we also notice, as we've talked about before, that she is dressed in purple and scarlet with glittering gold and precious stones and pearls. And she holds a cup in her hand filled with an abominable things, the filth of her adulteries. Down through the ages, we know that the Old Testament, through the power of the Holy Spirit, refers to demon worship and the worship of idols as adultery. And God is a jealous God. He created us in his image for a purpose and when we turn away from that, it's like being unfaithful. So this new religion is going to import from every type of religion all over the world. It's already doing it. We can see it. It's nothing new. It's been done before. And it brings in all these different ideas and thoughts and practices and creates a brand new mix. I find it very interesting that in Revelation chapter 18, verse 23, it says, By your magic spell... All the nations were led astray. It's just like the Word of God says. It's like a magic spell. And we can see it today falling on people. And the belief that what they're doing is right and it's good and I can still do what I want to do. And this is all the ingredients of this magic spell that we see being woven here in chapter 17 of Revelation. A kind of vision is this this salve that she's making, right? A little bit of truth, and then a little bit from this religion, a little bit from that religion, a little practice from this one, a little practice from this one, and a little ritual from this one, and mix it all together so it's pleasing to everybody, and it has like a nice smell and a scent to it that appeals to everyone, drawing them in. Oh, this is good. I, I like this. I like this mix. To create this type of salve, that they can put on top of their sin so it numbs it and they can't feel it anymore. It's not like the salve that Jesus talked about at the church of Laodicea in chapter 3 of Revelation, where he says, put salve on your eyes so you can see. This type of salve numbs so we can't feel the sin anymore, so the sin doesn't bother us, that we almost we forget about it, like this spell that the Bible talks about that is cast over people. It appeals to our human nature. So I'll take some of that spell. I'll take some of that mix and rub it on me. And now I, I don't see the sin. I don't feel the sin. My heart is moved away from it. I'm hardened. 
I no longer have to feel sin when I do things that I shouldn't be doing. And this is how she deceived the entire world. Remember that deception has a measurement of truth in it, or it wouldn't be deception, right? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, it kind of explains this, what we're talking about right now. It says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. That's why those who receive the mark of the beast, there's no redemption for them because they have sold out. They have gotten to the place where they don't want anything to do with the truth. Let's look at chapter 16 of Revelation. Three different times in chapter 16, the people shake their fists at God and curse God because of the plagues. What does that tell us? That tells us they're not interested in repenting. That means that they have been turned over to that reprobate mind. They don't want anything to do with God. It's not like they don't believe he's there. They know he's there, and they hate him for being there. They hate him for bringing judgment upon them. They have chosen their king. They have chosen Satan. They have chosen the Antichrist as their king because he lets them do whatever they want. And that's where we are today in in a very great sense. No, I don't want to do that. If Jesus wants me to do that, forget it. I like my life, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that Jesus is the only way. It doesn't make sense. All religions, all roads lead to God. If that was the case, why the cross? Why bother? Just live your life, do whatever you want, and then you'll be rewarded at the end. I don't know about you, but that's not a heaven I want to be in. Do we want to be in another place called earth and live like this forever? With no righteousness, with no holiness, with no peace, with no healing? That's not what God has created for us. How are you and I going to react to all this? How are we going to conduct ourselves? That's what we can control. We can't control other people. We can't control the world. We can control ourselves through the power of Jesus Christ. And we can be a testimony to other people who are looking for the light. That's our job. That's our mission. It's not to judge the world. It's not to put people in categories. That's what the world does. Everybody's in a category today. To honor true individuality is to break away from the crowd and decide on your own, I'm going to follow Christ. Yes, we're going to fall and we're going to get miserable when we fall and we make mistakes and feel bad about it. But if we shoot low, I'm really not that good. I'm not able to do this or that or the other thing. I'm just going to lay low a little bit, you know, and get just enough as I need. I don't want to push myself. And that's the kind of thinking the devil puts in your brain. We need to shoot for the high prize in the calling of Christ Jesus. Yes, we're not going to hit the mark. We know we're imperfect. We need to be moving forward. It's not with our own strength. It's by connecting with Jesus and asking him to do it. And he will. He will make you better. He will make me better. He will make me more consistent in my prayer life. He will make me the person I need to be. That's what communication with Jesus does. And whatever you're going through, whatever deep waters you may be going through today, Jesus Christ can make a difference. The peace that he brings, the power that he has to save to the uttermost, to touch you deep in your heart, to strengthen you, to rebuke the enemy, 
to stop the flood, all those things. The Lord said, I will be with you through the fire. I'll be with you through the flood. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the love of God, the true God, the God of heaven and earth. This is Russ Gausel for Chronicles of the End Times. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Keep looking up. The King is coming.